I'm Paul Whitcover, the Associate Dean of the Online MFA, and I'm joined by my co-host, Melissa Hart, in hey, the hey. Hello Kitty shirt, <laughs> and our special guest tonight, Joseph Shinakas. So, uh, Joe, welcome. We're very excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm going to uh, tell everyone a little bit about our, our guest. Uh, Joe is an author and a college professor. In fact, he teaches here at SNHU, as most of our guests on Wireside Chat do. Uh, he teaches in the comms department, and perhaps some of his students are here today. Uh, he's one multiple so. teacher. I hope so, too. Are you giving him extra credit, Joe? You know, I didn't. I just encouraged attendance, but uh, <laughs> so sorry. Sorry to anyone who is getting extra credit from other classes. <laughs> When it's when, uh, when I'm the feature, it makes me feel unethical, you know. No, other is, things, you know what I mean. It it's would fine. be unethical, of course. We don't we don't do that. Um, he's <laughs> he's won multiple Teacher of the Year awards, and uh, inspiring students is his greatest passion. He loves long walks with his fur baby Bailey, a mini Australian Shepherd, and he lives in Peoria, Illinois, with the love of his life, Brian. Joe is known for his horror ser series, Rabbit in Red a three-book trilogy that became a huge hit after multiple subscription boxes bought and mailed thousands of copies to horror fans around the world. His next horror novel, Darkness Calls, will be releasing this summer. And currently, Joe is celebrating the release of his LGBTQIA series, Singlets and Secrets. So we're going to uh, chat with, with Joe about Singlets and Secrets, about Rabbit in Red, and about his uh, journey towards uh, publication, because I think it's a kind of unique one. Um, the Q&A is enabled, and so is the chat. So if you, uh, if anyone in the audience has uh, questions for Joe, please uh, put them in one or the other of those locations, and Melissa and I will track them down and make sure that Joe has a chance to answer them. <clears throat> All right, so Joe, Let's let's start. You, your your bio mentions like the way that Rabbit and Red became a huge hit. So can you just talk a little bit about like the 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 how your career was jump started by by Rabbit and Red? This is for my com people. It is all about PR. All right, writing. We we focus so much on writing, which of course, I mean, you want a beautiful product, and you have—I mean—that's the most important thing. You have to be competent in your in your field, and you have to create a beautiful product, and you're going to spend years potentially working on that, right? So don't forget that's a part of this puzzle. And I say, Rabbit and Red got uh, became a hit because of these subscription boxes. Well, I worked really hard thinking ahead of time about who is my audience, how can I reach them. You know, very few people, I think, are walking into Barnes and Noble and going into the fiction and trying to find my last name alphabetically in between everybody else and thousands of other books that are there. So you've got to find a way to make it pop and to make it stand out. So the subscription box story is my sort of PR master plan for the first book series. And if, um, if anybody has read Rabbit in Red, What's kind of cool about it is the main character subscribes to this subscription box. It's called Horror Block. It was Nerd Block is the main company, and they had all these sci-fi ones that were really cool. And so the main character subscribed to that. And long story short, this is all part of my like courting process of trying to like, how do I attract that big audience? So I would I would tag 
uh, nerd block online in my post. And I would say, Bill Wise, the main character of Rabbit and Red, even endorses it, you know, silly things like that. And then I would email the staff there to try to get their attention. And my theme when it comes to writing, when it comes to PR, is patient persistence, right? I can't expect everyone's going to reply within the 24 hours that we respond to our students. Um, a lot of people are just going to ignore our emails and stuff like that at that level. But about once a month or so for just a few months, I kindly send a little email out and saying, hey, you should check out this book. I subscribe. I think it would be a perfect fit for your readers. And I got the best phone call of my life one day when it, it was the uh, I forget what her actual title was, but she was a person who bought everything for the company. And she says to me on the phone, it was the greatest, greatest line and also kind of troublesome at first because she says joe i fell asleep last night reading your book <laughs> does that i i don't know how to interpret that uh is that was it boring and she goes no i stayed up so late trying to finish it that i fell asleep i had to know how it was going to end and anyway i need you to tell me a price because we're going to order sixteen thousand copies and send them out around the world and so i fell over um and once i picked myself back up you know that, that's a that's a huge purchase for any author and in this field so in particular that that just got out to all these horror fans around the world and it kind of put me on a on some kind of platform you know not huge by any means not stephen king level but uh, enough to where people came back and bought the second book and bought the third book and and some people started to you know I, i'd get messages from fans around the united states and canada and it was really cool just a really interesting experience so that catapulted rabbit and red and i know it's a longer story i guess it's calm and writing we talk too much right but my message being have a pr plan when you're writing too who is your audience how are you going to reach them that's something that we do try to teach students in our mfa program um but i mean i guess a question is i mean there's so many different uh routes that you can take to publicize your book and get it out there how do you know which is the right one how did you know that this would be the the route that you should take for rabbit and red that's a great question so backing up and just trying to figure out what's the best avenue for your book you can self-publish you can work to try to find an agent and that agent will then shop it to a publisher or you can try to shop it yourself directly to publishers that don't require uh literary agent representation for me it was just a matter of shooting for the stars with the book one with this first book i i started trying to get an agent and i could tell you all sorts of uh, great rejections that i received um my favorite was from a, an agent in new york who you tell me if this isn't just ridiculous to me on the receiving end but she's like i was enjoying it so much i even started to put together a pitch for the cw network because i also shot tv shows to them but then this happened in chapter blah 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 and it fell apart and it didn't work for me and i was oh like god. oh my gosh well the first thing i did everybody is i revised that problematic area whatever whatever gave her a problem i'm like okay well we're gonna we're gonna work on that we're gonna edit that but i kept trying to get some feedback from agents and when you know one out of 20 one out of 30 maybe would give you that sort of what i would consider juicy editorial goodness like oh my gosh give that to me that's how i can make this book better but i always say politely ask for feedback if you get a rejection thank you for your time if you have any anything you could give me at all I, I promise i won't bother you again i just would appreciate any sort of feedback and i always go that route well i didn't have success getting an agent with rabbit and red so then i went to the next route i'm going to pitch it directly to, pub, to traditional publishers myself and um, i had much better luck that way and i found a publisher 
who picked it up and you know i had a i had an editor and i had a cover designer and i had someone helping with marketing it was very very small scale a very small independent publisher but i learned a ton from them and then they went bankrupt <laughs> and they oh closed gosh. their doors. This happens with small publishers. Yeah. So you remember the story, right? The <laughs> book got out there. That all happened after they closed their doors. So I, I got all that benefit myself. And so I learned how to self-publish. And I self-published the second and the third Rabbit and Red books because they were already done. And I already had an audience. So what I'm trying to tell everyone is I went through all of these routes with my newest book, Singlets and Secrets. I decided that it, whether it's maybe it's a little bit of ego, but it was really just the teacher in me is the, is the story. The way I like to say it is, is the teacher in me wanted to learn how to do every particular path. I wanted to succeed at every single path and I wanted to figure this out. And so I spent two years working on um, new query letters and researching agents until I, I found one. Uh, my last Rabbit and Red book came out in 2017. I found an agent in 2020. Um, and then she found a publisher a, a year later in 2021. And then the book came out in 2023. So I share those quick details because the con of trying to find an agent and a traditional publisher is that it takes an extraordinarily a, a huge amount of time. Yeah, patience and persistence, right? It's going to come right back down to that. So for students and young writers or any age, I should sorry, new writers trying to get published out there, you kind of want to ask yourself, well, what do I need and what should I go for? If you need an editor, we all do, you need a cover designer, you want a team, then you want to try to go those other routes. At the same time, if you're like, I'm going to do this for my circle, for my family, for my community. I have some uh, projects in mind. I can I can take this to local fairs and, and local markets and sell it, you know, on a Saturday at the farmer's market. Then self-publishing might be the perfect option for you. And it's really just trying to figure out how big you want your audience to be. I think if you want a big audience, you shoot for the stars. If you're going for um, a, a local community audience, I think self-publishing is – so much less stressful, so much less stressful. You know why? Because you don't have to wait on other people to do the work for you. I think that's been one of my hardest parts because I just like to get things done and waiting for a year or two or more. I mean, uh, it, it's, it takes some patience in this field. I mean, the other thing that kind of comes out of your, your, uh, your story there, your, your odyssey, odyssey toward publication is uh, you picked yourself back up. I mean, it's like you got knocked down a couple of times or probably more than a couple of times, but you shared a couple of times where an agent almost bought the book and then decided no, was ready to pitch it to the CW and then decided not to. And then you were all ready to go and your publisher went belly up. So what what gave you the resilience to uh, to persevere in the face of those kinds of obstacles? That it's a great question because I think you really have to have a thick skin in this business. And that's not to say I don't cry. I cry probably a lot, uh, to be honest with you, when you get those rejections or when, or when finally years have passed and something happens with it and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is really happening. I mean, it's an emotional uh, experience for me, no doubt about it. So you have to have that idea that it's the, the hardest thing is that you've got to detach enough from your ego to realize that it is the feedback from other people that's going to make you successful. 
if you are receptive to feedback and criticism is what we're really getting at, right? Whenever I write a book, I take it to a team of people before I even pitch it to an editor or an agent. And I say, read this and please tear it apart. And we had to make a dinner for, for the, I, I had this old tradition, I make dinner, bring out, you know, maybe a couple of drinks because I know it's going to make me sad to listen to the criticism. And I said, bring it on. And that's why I say that that night, yeah, I might, I might be upset. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is hard. Can I do this? They had all these thoughts. And then I tell myself, this is what you wanted, Joe. You don't want to write a mediocre book. You want to write the best book that you can write. That's going to mean you're going to encounter rejections and you're going to have to figure out how do I bounce back up from this and make it even better. Getting rejected doesn't mean you wrote something terrible, but it might mean you can be better at what you're doing. And we can always improve in that particular area. And also we have to remember that, that this is a subjective field. There are definitely people that will reject your work and someone else might absolutely love it. And so you've got to learn how to research your agents too, and make sure you're pitching to the right people. If you're pitching to the wrong type of agents or your mass uh, emailing lots of people, you're just going to get one rejection after another. I do my research and I say to my agent, you know, dear Amy, I'm pitching this book to you. And I go through the whole, uh, the form that we should go through, but you better believe I put something in there about, I love that you love cats. I have three cats and I love that you do this. And I have this too, because I want them to know I'm trying to make a personal connection. So it's, it's really kind of navigating all these things about knowing how to do this in the industry. And at the same time, almost being able to build yourself up, therapize, self-therapize, really, and build that self-confidence. It, it is, y'all, I won't lie. I, I'm a, a bucket, I have a bucket of anxiety that overflows every single day of my life, probably. And I love it only for the sake that it's like, I know I'm trying, I'm working hard to, to be, to do something that I care about with, with the, and that's really all it is. You have to love this enough to keep going through it. I want to kind of circle back to something that you mentioned there, which was like being able to put your ego aside uh, in order to benefit from this feedback or criticism. Um, I feel uh, ego is such a tricky thing with writers because you've got to have a big ego, right? You, in order to be a writer in the first place, to think, oh, people are going to be interested in what I have to say. I have something I want to say, and it's important that I get it out there. Uh, and you dream big, right? Everybody thinks, well, my book is going to be made into a movie or could be made into a movie, could be a bestseller, right? We all have those dreams. We certainly all deserve that, right? Because we're all that good of writers. We all know that. That's the ego. And yet you're right. You have to put that ego aside. You have to take it off, but you have to know when to put it back on again. So that's the other thing I want to ask you about is that ba balancing act. I feel that you need to be smart enough to know that you have to accept that criticism to get better. You're absolutely right. You've got to build yourself up, first of all, and you've got to have that ego to be like, I have a voice that matters. I have a story that maybe, yeah, sure, we talk about there's so many parallels in our stories, but I still feel that you can find a story that you can tell so uniquely that is only that through your perspective we can see that very special uh, something in a very special way and i think that's where the ego is a healthy thing to be able to say i've got a voice that matters and a, and a story that only i can tell and then you just have to be smart enough to say at the same time i know that to get better i need the help of other people that this is this when we're when we're writing those first drafts and whatnot it's an isolated experience right but the best the magic happens in the editing. My editing is my 
favorite process, favorite part of all time. And every editor I've ever worked with has always thought that I'm absolutely ridiculous when I say that because people don't like to be criticized, I think is usually what it is. Or someone always argues. No, even if it's a good thing, your ego wants to say, but there's a reason I chose that and I don't like that you're telling me to change it. <laughs> you know, yeah, we got to move beyond that. And I embrace the criticism. My default answer to an editor is yes. Yes, let me change that. Let me see if I can make that even better. Because if I can't, then I know I'm right. But I'm going to take that challenge mm -hmm. and say, I'm going to see if I can make this even better. And I want to prove them right. You know, we have to go. It's just a matter of shifting your perspective and say, prove your editor right and make your work even better. Wow, I love that perspective. But Joe, has there ever been an, an, an incident when you when you didn't agree with an editor's suggestion and you and you it? That's a good question. Uh, I struggled briefly with re the most recent one I can think of is, uh, is obviously the new release. And without going into detail, here's where it gets really interesting when you're writing a young adult LGBTQ novel. I have with I, it's not inappropriate. There's no inappropriate content in my from my perspective in there. But it, but this is going to be a four book series. And there is a part of me that wants to say. I need to address LGBTQIA sexuality and identity, and I need to get it right. And when an editor who is not, does not identify the way I identify, has some things that they want me to change, then I stand up for that. And I say, mm, I don't think so, because the community needs it said, needs it heard this way. And this yeah. is what I'm fighting for. So those are the different things I would stand up for. Um, I don't know. I just I think in terms of plot and, and just the general stuff, I just I think maybe if maybe I'm lucky that I just have that personality that I get really excited with a new idea. And so if you if you're like, okay, I, I give give you a plot idea and I say, what about what if this happens in the story? And I get excited about it and you say, Well, what if that happens and this happens? Then suddenly I'm like, oh my gosh, what a great idea. And and so I just think you have to have that even better if mentality. Don't you're not bad. I mean, we can always get better, but I, I just have that even better if it might be even better if I try this and I tell myself, Joe, if you take this advice, could it potentially be even better than what you're doing? Uh, and that's really what it's all about is have navigating that conversation with yourself. Hmm. I guess you're kind of putting yourself in the service of your story. Do you I, I just can't imagine having an ego and this isn't to say that everything by by. No stretch of the imagination is this to say that what I've written is like the most perfect writing you'll ever see. But it's just a matter of, of thinking, I want to give the best that I can. And the best that I can is one thing. The best that I can with the help of a team or with the help of other people is a whole different thing. And I want people to get, I mean, that's kind of why I like fighting to make sure I have good editors and good readers, no matter whether you're self-publishing or not, that you have a team giving you feedback. The only thing I would ever say, if you go back to that self-publishing conversation, is please do not write a first draft without editing, without, and just hit self-publish, essentially. And I know it's not quite that easy, but it's pretty easy to, to get stuff out there. And if you got to at least make sure that I think if you're going to be self-published that you take the same amount of pride that you're going to put into those details and that criticism and that, uh, that editing. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the, uh, one of the dangers of self-publishing is that it can be, it can be uh, too easy to, um, to, to give, give into the ego, right. Who that wants to be published right now and doesn't want to change anything. 
and you know it's just available at the click of a button so i i completely agree with what you're saying there i think it's important for self-publishing uh authors to to get editorial help and certainly to be looking to their beta readers or workshops if they if they have them here's um, a perk to to that patience and waiting is that you got to remind yourself every time I go back and look at it, and I, and I would challenge, I bet everybody would agree with this. I, I don't care if it's been six months or six years. Every time I go back through a manuscript with a critical eye, it gets a little better and I find something new or interesting. At a certain point, of course, you want to say, all right, I'm done and this is it. But I mean, that's sort of the silver lining to being patient. If you're, if it's taking a while to find an agent or a publisher, go back and revisit your work every few months and see what, see what new idea comes to mind. Something else that might catch a person's attention. Great advice. So let me shift over to your, to your new book, um, which is a kind of a departure for you. I mean, a lot of times you hear <laughs> that, you know, a writer, spends time establishing their brand, they achieve a success, which you have done, right, um, with your first uh, trilogy of novels, which are, <laughs> excuse me, which are horror novels. And now you've come out with a book that is not horror. That's, uh, that's I mean, I guess, I, I, you tell tell me how you, what genre would you put it in aside, aside from YA, like within the YA umbrella, what would you call it? Romance, action, drama. <laughs> Um, it's, 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 I, I describe the new release as a gay karate kid story. And that's essentially what it is. If you want to sum it up and to me, that sounds ridiculous to me, it sounds, it sounds amazing. Great. You know what I mean? Like say like it is, I, I always wanted a gay champion and I, I play with that a lot. And, and to be honest, it's just the fact that I have a lot of interests, I think is part of it. And I want to write into a lot of different genres, but you bring up a great point. To be honest, I wrote a darkness calls first uh, before singlets and secrets. And that is the next horror novel, but it was taking forever. Again, I was sitting, uh, it took two, two plus years to find that agent. Y'all, I'm not just sitting down doing nothing during those two years, hoping an agent replies. I'm writing other books. You get to, you when you start shopping around one book, you better be writing the next, all right? And if you're not, you're not playing this game right, right? You need to be a few years ahead of yourself. So just knowing that passion, I had actually written several LGBTQ novels under a pen name before this one and self-published them, or I used uh, web novels and different platforms like that, where they actually found really nice audience. I had a, a web novel on Tapas, T-A-P-A-S, um, and it's called Looking for Derek. It has 17,000 subscribers. And it's amazing. So, and you, they give you great feedback and you can self-publish on there as well. So that's something, oh, the name's going to, there's a much more popular one than Tapas. That's like that web novel. At, um, do, do you all know what it is? I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, it doesn't matter. But uh, there are a few like that where you can self-publish and they attract a different audience. So I, I played with that because to, there, there are some other issues there and other reasons why. I think part of it was I knew that original publisher of Rabbit and Red wasn't doing so well. And um, I, I mean, I could tell you all sorts of stories as how I knew they weren't doing so well. Webtoon. Yeah, it's exactly. They call them Webtoons, uh, I think. But there's there's also um, if I think, yeah, I don't want to get sidetracked to the end. Where, but it, yeah, there's a lot of different platforms out there like that. But anyway, I didn't necessarily I thought I would write in a different genre and self-publish it just so they didn't know. <laughs> that was my first route because I saw something was happening with that publisher. I thought I'll write in this other genre and then maybe I'll see what I can learn from there. And then I fell in love with it because don't we write to express that unique voice and to try to add something to 
Rabbit and Red to me is my popcorn entertainment. It's just good fun, but I think there's some meaning in there at times for sure. But Singlets and Secrets isn't just the good fun. It's a lot of heart. And so I just started, to me, they're really helping both genres because I'm pouring emotion and heart into this LGBTQ story. And then I'm realizing, of course, every single character in every book I write should have the same level of <laughs> angst and emotion and conflict and, and not don't make them so, so stereotypical and, and flat and one-dimensional. It, it's just really helping in both fields. So yeah, they say normally stick to a brand. I'm still building that brand in many ways and kind of throwing things out there and seeing what sticks, to be honest with you. So it doesn't bother me to kind of go back and forth. And if anything, I kind of hope maybe it helps some readers experience this because I've had a lot of Rabbit and Red fans who are waiting for that Darkness Calls book since 2018. I think I even put in the last one, the synopsis. I was trying to preview it in case I went to self-publish it. It's like, here, it's coming, coming next is this novel. And I had a lot of people excited for it back in 2018. And then we know what happened with the world and things slowed down. And, and it really is. So in many ways, this is me kind of rebranding as well, because the horror novels I'm writing are very LGBTQ plus inclusive. So it's going to be um, connected in that way. And I know that um, that um, goal of inclusivity and um, portraying uh, LGBTQ plus characters um, kind of uh, with the kind of inner authenticity that 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 you strive to bring to that, that's super important to your um, uh, mission as a as a novelist, as a as a writer. Yeah. So I started with the, with singlets and secrets. You know, the the story that I tell is like I want to just like I I I think about this when I'm teaching. I want to be the teacher I always wanted to have. You know, and when I'm writing a Writing now, I kind of think to myself, especially because I write so much young adult fiction, it's easy to think of it in this perspective. What's the book I needed to read when I was that age? What's the book I would have loved to have read at that age? And you know what? I'm just going to I'm going to go into that with my full passion. I don't care how ridiculous it sounds. So when I say it's a queer karate kid story, I'm like, I'm just going to own that to the very end. I I. I'm obvious. I'm a, I guess obvious. I don't know, but I'm a gay man. Um, I guess I'm writing the book. I hope. I, I, uh, I suppose that's obvious. I don't know. Um, but but as a gay, I'm a gay man. I grew up um, in karate. I, I took martial arts when I was a kid to build confidence. I ended up teaching martial arts. I was a high school English teacher for ten years. And I taught in a super conservative but wonderful community. I love the community. I was never comfortable being out, never came out during those 10 years of my high school teaching because, yeah, you know, I mean, I had heard stories and it was just a, maybe more my issue. I don't want to project. I didn't have the confidence yet. I turned to martial arts to help with that confidence in some ways. And I ran this after school club where I was at the high school where I taught English. And, and so it all kind of comes together. And when I say, write the story that only you could tell, all right, well, I have a 14 year old main character who is insecure, full of anxiety, wants to get tough, doesn't know how to get tough, goes to the only place in his high school where there is a place for that, and that's the wrestling team. Well, it turns out the wrestling team's pretty homophobic and some really terrible things happen, right? 
And at the same time, the boy falls for the captain of the wrestling team. And uh, what a wonder, you know, it's, it's been told a hundred times, that sort of scenario, right? But I go into it, so he falls for this captain who ends up standing up for him and defending him in front of all these homophobic kids. And what's even worse is there's a really homophobic coach. And that's one of the themes is I, mm. I'm trying, I, I, I don't think that our young people today are, are bad whatsoever. I don't want to say that. They take these ideas from this terrible coach and they project them onto the main character, you know? And so in the captain stands up for him and we have all this going on it just creates a great story until something backfires of course right and now even the captain the entire team are against him and he's he's been beat up he has hurt who does he turn to well he happens to have this high school english teacher that has a martial arts background and decides he's going to start up a, <laughs> a club for outsiders not just lgbtq but anyone who's ever felt like an outsider or didn't feel like they fit in in a traditional sport or just need a place to feel safe and get some confidence well, that happens in the story, but of course our egotistical, emotionally unintelligent wrestlers decide we're going to throw a challenge out. It's going to be the wrestling team versus that new queer martial arts club. And for the main event, the captain versus the kid that fell in love with him. And let's see how that turns out. And I, it is, you know, it is a roller coaster. It is fun, but it is sad at times too. I promise uh, overall to be, my goal is to be uplifting and joyful. Stick with it. <laughs> that's what I would say. So and that's it's, that's sort of everything kind of coming together and a little <laughs> bit about my background and how how the kind of story came about and just why didn't I start with this book? I don't know. You know, <laughs> it makes it seems to make sense. But that's the beautiful thing about writing is sometimes the most obvious ideals will dawn on you. And you've been trying to create this huge world that is just all over the place. And then some, you know, you get this sometimes a much more simple idea. It does, I think you just got to go with whatever ignites that sense of passion and joy within you. And, and then you'll have fun writing it no matter what anyone else has to say about it. Yeah, I, can, I can tell you did have fun writing that book. I also described it as like, you know, I am a huge fan of, of the Karate Kid um, and Rocky and Rudy and I think about all those types of stories where you have the hero overcoming obstacles to win at the end. And I'm like, but what do they all have in common? Straight white male. And I just thought, let's change that formula. And that's the, and that, and having so much fun with that because then the bad guys are, to me, they're, they're legitimately bad and they've got some stuff to learn. And once they learn that, then we can also, I think, make a difference and, and show how people, I don't, I also want to show that, that, that some of these closed minds can open uh, and we can come together and unite, hopefully, too. Here's a great question in the chat, if that's okay. Oh, please. Uh, yes, I haven't looked at it. I'm sorry. Please bring No, no, it's fine. Any that's of them my job. Uh, Don asks, when you're creating your characters, how much is based upon yourself, your personality, history, et cetera, and the stories of other people you know? It's a great question because I think you've got to be real. And the, the best way I have found to be real is to put a little bit of myself in the characters. But here's your real. So there, there is a little bit of me in everybody. But here's the real secret. And I'm not saying I do this well. It's just something that I think about. You've got if you want to really write a dynamic character, I want you to think about what are the worst parts of yourself that you maybe you don't like but that you're trying to get better at. And I want you to create a character around that because that's what's <laughs> interesting. Right. A hundred percent is what we got to do with that so i put i try to find some of those bad parts of myself in there and also what's the famous line from Anne lamott i think if if uh, people wanted you to write well about them you sh they should have treated you nicely or something <laughs> like that so i also i won't lie i'm not i try not to be this person but here 
yeah, if I don't like you, I take your stereotypes and I put them in characters. I take the, I take your personality, the way you talk, the way you have acted, and and hopefully no one sees themselves in, in that particular character as I say that. But why not? You know, I mean, this is what's interesting. I think even as a communication major, when I was in grad school, we had to do ethnographies, right? I had to observe people and write down their nonverbals, the way they looked at each other, interpret that. What wonderful case studies to do that also really helped train me to be a writer to try to shape some of these characters in that way. So I think you've got to put some of yourself in the characters. And the only reason I kind of explained a little bit more is that at the same time, I think I fell I am guilty, perhaps, of that ego, especially in my early books, of trying to put my good qualities in that main character, and I think I want to be celebrated for that, you know, like, oh, I do this, and my main character does this. What a good person that he is. I, I just had some real kind of self-actualization moments, I think, where I'm like, why did I need to do that? Did I need some validation from somebody <laughs> or something? I think it's much more fascinating to figure out what are the things about yourself that need some fine tuning and let's let's do, let's develop characters around that yeah the flaws thank you for the question in the chat let me uh aaron, let me pull another one out of the q a aaron says that oh, are you going to read that one i can't Melissa? find it can you find got, question? oh good yeah okay. it's, it's in the q a uh, he says, I've heard a lot about the waves a debut novel can offer over a history of other sales. My plan, as it stands, is to compile a short story collection, snagging lit mag publication credits along the way, hopefully making myself a juicier worm for lit agents, and then using that to tee up a debut novel. I have an editor, but curious about which first step is best. Do you think there's a hazard in getting a short story collection out there before a novel, or is it okay slash possible to make a splash with a debut novel after publishing other works, say a short story collection? Great question. This is one perspective, one opinion. Please do not take this as the holy grail answer by any means. I'll give you a perspective, um, something to think about, but keep asking other people this question because I think it's a really good question and I think you should get a lot of perspectives on it, okay? My first thought is what you're doing is wonderful. And especially for the, the caliber and the quality of your writing, I hope you do continue that path. I think we can, maybe my metaphor is going to be really weird here, but who's to say we can't have multiple paths at the same time? <clears throat> While you're working on that, what I think you should be doing is building a social media presence. I will tell you, my agent has said um, to all new authors, she will not even shop their book around if they are not active on social media. And for me, as a young adult author, she said to me, um, Joe, if you want to sell books, you better get yourself on TikTok. So oh. this book came out August 28th. I joined TikTok August 1st. Um, there you have it, right? But the idea is, I think you want to make sure you're understanding that in today's traditional publishing environment, boy, it almost doesn't, I, I don't want to say this because it almost sounds discouraging. It's not even so much the quality of the writing as it is, are you going to sell? Do you have, are you going to reach people and are you going to sell books? So I applaud you for the way that you're thinking. And that's why I say, please don't leave that path because I think that's going to help create high quality content for you. But at the same time, you should be thinking about that other path and building social media. The difference between short, short stories and a debut novel 
a short story collection no one's going to publish unless you have a well-known name you know i think that's much more of a self-publishing route again that's my perspective that's why i say always get other opinions but no one's going to publish a collection of poetry or short stories today unless you have a, a, a name that they know novels are the way to go to sell to traditional publishers small presses might be very very different and self-publishing of course is the is, is a good way to go uh so i don't know i i saved my short stories to be honest with you and i did a small collection that i self-published after my first book came out because i wanted to be able to follow up with additional content that was my pr strategy once you have a book what are you going to talk about for the for the next year until you have another book? The same thing over and over again. It, people get bored of you, right? And you have to think about how do I have a from from my PR perspective, I think about how do I have something else to talk about throughout that year to that will still get eyes on that main release or that debut idea. So I release short stories after the fact. Uh, because then every time I did a short story or I published it, uh, then I could reference and be like, this is a short story, blah, blah, blah. If you're interested in more of my writing, don't forget I have my novel out or something along those lines. Um, so I think that's the route that I would personally go. But you've got to trust your gut and your judgment. And and I, I think that you're, you're, you've got some ambitious ideas and you should keep moving forward with your own ideas and then do some, some of these other paths at the same time. So another question. My pleasure. Do you uh, do you get permission from people that you've used as inspiration for characters? <laughs> this is a work of fiction. Uh, <laughs> what, what, how does the disclaimer go? I'm sure it's right in the. the it, this oh. is a work of fiction. <laughs> all pe all characters. Um, Any yes, all references to, to real people or real places are used fictitiously. Other names and events are products of the author's imagination, and any resemblance is entirely <laughs> coincidental. Sorry, for legal reasons, that is exactly what is in the cover. So I haven't gone to anybody because let me take that back. Of course, I wouldn't actually do that. I was just having fun with y'all earlier. I'm winking a little. <laughs> uh, so, in all seriousness, I mean, if it were a person that I am tributing, doing something nice for, I would tell them. If it's a, uh, like, hey, I just want you to know, you know, sometimes I'll say that, you're, you're my so-and-so, I'll say in the story. I just want you to know that. So I do that for the nice ones. But yeah, if I, if I have used anyone to, if anyone's character or uh, behavior has influenced a negative person in my book, then yeah, we're probably not talking about that. <laughs> but I'll change the names, sure. What else, y'all? What other questions? Thank you for hey, these wonderful questions. I have another question. Sorry. Go ahead. You, you wrote a, a whole book on publishing, right? Yes. Would you tell the, us? Just share that with anyone for free, by the way. I have the PDF of that. Oh, uh, my gosh. I guess, is there a file? I can just throw it in the files right now if I figure out how to do that on my end. Um, incredible. Can I put it in the chat? Just in the I think if you put it in the chat, it'll it'll... Yeah, give me It'll just a second. So I'm going to go ahead and upload wow, a file that I have. It's a PDF. This is about three years old is all. Um, but the background of it is, you know, once you start writing, if uh, I, I, I'm honored by this, if you get asked to do a writing workshop or anything along those lines, um, people people have a lot of great questions like you all here. And so what I end up doing is just put together my own how-to guide. Here's a print copy of it, actually. And this is entirely self-published. So it just says on writing and publishing your book, a how-to guide. Uh, but what I have for you in the table of contents is a lot of the con a lot of the conversations we had today, kind of the difference between uh, agents, traditional publishers, and self-publishing, tips for finding an agent, 
how to write a query letter. And I even gave you some of mine in here. Um, so th those are there. My own sort of personal tips that I've done for writing and character development. And then also just things that I think are really important based on some of the questions you've had. I think you all would really like this, but I have a whole section on finding inspiration and fresh ideas and a whole and a chapter on redefining success. Because again, this can be such a tough industry. I think you want to get into it having a sense of uh, what to expect out of it and shoot for the stars, but understand what you're getting into at the same time. So I, I try to speak to that. And, and the one way I look at it, I'll, I'll share this really quickly because I do like it, but I think about community theater. Think about if you're an actor who is in a, in a, a play or a musical in your community and you've got dozens of people coming to see you on the weekends and they're applauding for you. Isn't that amazing? Y'all, we don't all have to be on the New York Times bestselling list to hit that feeling. You can get that feeling in so many other ways. So that's what redefining success is about and trying to look at this from another perspective without depressing yourself about, am I ever going to get on that New York Times bestselling list? And then there's uh, just some tips for Amazon, building local support. Marketing is my biggest chapter because, again, I get kind of excited to do PR and marketing. You know what we're doing for this one? I'll tell, I'll, I'll tell you in a second. Uh, it's kind of something <laughs> fun. Um, and then, but anyway, some checklists. Am I ready to publish? And then at the very end, my favorite part for those of you who want to self-publish, uh, I did this one on Amazon's uh, Kindle Direct Publishing. And I just, as I was uploading it into Amazon to get it self-published, I um, created a checklist. You can't see why am I holding this up to the camera? No one can see what's on the page. Uh, but I created a checklist where you can go step by step and see exactly what I did to get this physical copy mailed to me at home. Um, and so that, that uh, please feel free to use that as you wish in that one. Um, so anyway, what about writing and publishing poetry? I see a question in there too, but so I, same, I, I think that for me, poetry, I would definitely go the self-publishing route that again, it's just a very difficult market to get published unless you have a well-known name or the credentials or the degree. Shoot for the stars, go for it, but realize that not you know the poetry sections in your bookstores are pretty small compared to everything else. So if you're going to stand out in that group, something's got to. You have to have a very unique hook, you know. What else? Uh, should I, I can keep answering the ones I see popping up in the well, chat. Well, I've got an, I've got another one for you. That this sure. is from from Jess Jess G who asked, what social media platform do you think has the most success when it comes to marketing today? What a great question, because they keep telling me Facebook is out and Facebook is working for me. Mm -hmm. So who's your audience? How do you reach them? Where are they? What are they using? I think Facebook is still uh, working for me, although they are exactly, and Dawn writes, depends on your audience. So I use, um, I just use Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok now primarily, but it does seem like TikTok is the way to go. I should share with you, I'll try to find an article, but uh, my literary agency agency shared a, a wonderful article about um, traditional authors as well as independent and self-published authors who are using um, TikTok really well and creatively and successfully, like to do all sorts of creative things that I wouldn't have even known you could do until I actually started playing with TikTok a little bit more. Um, but I'm going to search for that and share that with you. So I, I think that you've got to get on TikTok for that, especially if you have the talent there. People um, have done ideas from 
read, do a quick reading, talk as if you're one of the characters, do different cover reveals, do if you like this, then you might like this. And you can do all that editing with the video and the, uh, just with the TikTok, TikTok's editor so simply that that seems to really make an impact. But for me, I'm starting from scratch. I have like 100 TikTok followers. Whereas I have several thousand on Facebook. So that's why probably Facebook is working for me because I'm new to TikTok. So the main thing is you got to start building your platform. I say that somewhat hypocritically because I didn't have a, a new release for a couple of years and I got really tired of social media for a couple of years and took a break from it. Um, and and the, all, you know I took a break from my mental health, but there is a part of me that wonders if I should have stayed active on social media to keep building over those years. Um, so, you know, think about that, just exactly great advice in there from Don. It really is about the generation, uh, the, the demographic, but I would use Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok and just use those consistently to build your audience. Melissa, are those, are those your, your top three? What, what do you yeah. use, Melissa? They actually are my top three. Uh, oh, wait. Not YouTube. Sorry. Uh, and I haven't been on TikTok for a while because I find it takes a long time to do, uh, to make a single TikTok uh, and polish it. So, isn't it awful? Well, it's it, it fine. takes so much time. No, you're right. I made a goal to do one TikTok a day, Monday through Friday. I can do a 60 second video, it takes me an hour. It does me as well. Yeah, it's so time consuming. You understand what these creators across any um, medium are, are putting into for their social media work. And that's why I think it's so hard to stand out because you do have creators who are putting that time in to create those videos and that marketing. Uh, and, and you know, I don't know about y'all. I'm tired after a day of work. It's hard you know, to keep it, keep that energy up. But you got to do it. Uh, Where are you on TikTok? Tell us your handle again. Oh, I think for the most part, it should just be at Joe Shinakis. I think I threw that in the chat, maybe. Um, oh, okay. Did I? But if, yeah, if you just let me try that again. At okay, yeah. So Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and you know, okay. So I'll share with you my really quick. Again, just always thinking ahead. Always thinking ahead. Who is your audience? How do you reach them? So to to do um, a quick little social media. Uh, excuse me, a PR campaign on this, I was really searching for, to be honest, we tried to get Taylor Swift tickets. That didn't work, but we managed to get Olivia Rodrigo concert tickets, popular teen audience. And what we wanted to do was to create a contest that would last over a couple of months. And what you have to do is once a week, you could get qualified and then we do a contest and we give away tickets. Why that particular um, concert is just, again, that's, it, it attracts a teen demographic. Teens are the audience for this one. And so it's been going really well. And then week three of the contest, week one was the like, share, whatever, tag who you take with you. Week two is subscribe to my newsletter. This week is post a review of the book. Um, and anybody who posts a review on Amazon or Goodreads or Barnes Noble gets entered for those tickets. And, and it's kind of fun because I'm just doing one qualifier a week. So the grand prize drawing will be out of a, just a handful. And that took some money. So I'll be honest, it took some money to, to, to drop on those tickets to be able to run a contest like this but again from my perspective i don't want to bore people by saying every single week buy my book buy my book look at this book check out this book so i got eight weeks to talk about a contest and giveaways and stuff like that instead so i always think about uh when you get into the marketing side of things what can you do creatively there and i just thought i'd share that with you too i'm still trying to find that tiktok article um Dun, dun, dun. What, was it by any chance in the writer magazine writer's digest 
Uh, no, the writer. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Um, well, I, I, I have, it's, uh, I just was on their page instead of the actual um, private group, but I'll, 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 I'll drop this in before I leave today. So I, oh, there it is right here. 21 authors on TikTok to follow for book ideas, promotions, and just a good laugh, apparently. Um, but, but I, <laughs> I'll share this with you. Um, it's a book bug book bub article and so i'll pull up tiktok when i'm at the gym on one of the machines and I'll, I'll watch an author's pinned post or most popular posts there are some fantastic ideas on there and you see these successful authors both from traditional and indie presses so that gave me some ideas and i thought i'd share it because i bet it'll give a lot of you some ideas too i mean well, it, it's it's really interesting to, to listen to you talk joe because i can see that you're one of those writers who finds i mean you mentioned that you got a little burned out, you took some time off from social media, but at the same time, you seem genuinely enthused about marketing ideas, about marketing strategies and plans. Um, I see why you're teaching in the in the communications program, um, because you have uh, an affinity for this sort of thing. So, where do uh, where might a writer gain the, this kind of expertise other than the mfa program which we do we do try to teach this sort of stuff but but i mean where do you develop more than just the knowledge how do you get the passion for it oh i for writing specifically or more for marketing more for marketing like so because you yeah. so, so many so many writers are like i i want to just be sitting at my table at my computer and writing i don't have the time or the interest or the knowledge in how to go about this side of the business, which which let's be honest, is is more and more essential. So where do you get that knowledge and how do you how do you stoke your um, your enthusiasm for it? I think the first place to get the knowledge is to try to look at those who are successful in the field, follow them across those socials and watch what they're doing. You know, the best advice I heard recently kind of related to this is. Don't let yourself get jealous of successful people. I know that's hard and much easier said than done. Don't get jealous, get inspired. You know, we're not competing against one another, not at all. And so when I go and I look up those TikTok authors, sure, there's a quick little moment when I see their followers or their sales, I'm like, oh gosh, that must be so nice. <laughs> and it's time to just swallow that pill and say, it's time to learn. So I'm gonna watch them, I'm gonna observe what they're doing. And so that I just try to follow successful people. You know, it's the old saying that you don't wanna be the smartest person in the room. If you're the smartest person in the room, how are you gonna grow or get any better? So you gotta surround yourself by some people who are doing better than you, to be honest, I think. And that's one way to look at it. Um, to stay excited for it, I like to look at, you've gotta find creative people who, this is their soul is what they're they're sharing with you like this is what keeps them alive and i'll give you one that relates to the book in the context and we can laugh a little if we want i don't care but i'll tell you something that um is keeping me going while i was getting ready to get excited about marketing how did i get excited about it i watched a couple seasons of rupaul's drag race how did that get me excited yeah. Because they talk about branding. They talk about who are you? How are you showing people who you are? When you're up on the stage and you want to be confident or you want to be strong or you want to be empowering, how are you conveying that? They put them through challenges, as you know, and I know it's just a cheesy reality show or whatever, but it really does inspire a lot of people and it inspires me. And I think that looking at, so I get excited when I see a, 
a performer who is like, oh my gosh, I, I'm struggling so hard, but I took this advice and I made my, my craft, my art better and look at the reaction that I got. And I just think about moments like that really inspire me. Teaching does it too, because you got to put yourself to the side when I ask my students, what are you doing? What are you excited about? Tell me something great. Tell me what you're doing. I think we just need to allow ourselves to be excited by the success that others have and, and, and what they're doing and learn from that. And that is a daily battle. I, I will not stand here or sit here and be hypocritical and say, I don't get jealous. I, of course I do, you know, we're all human and I want those sales and those reviews and those followers just like anybody else. But it's a journey and each of our journeys is unique. And you know, that is what's so exciting to me about writing and publishing is in many ways, it's like playing the lottery, but with better odds. I think the odds are still pretty hard, but they're they might be a little bit better and you just never know what's around the corner all it takes and this keeps me going all it takes is the right person at the right time to pick up your book and you just never know what domino effect that might have because one person starts telling everybody they know how much they love this and that could happen three weeks after your release or three years after your release and that is the awesome thing about having a library of books out there because people find older things and fall in love with them all the time. You know, it's sort of like I, I'm listening to some podcast um, and the uh, the person on it is so excited. They discovered the band called Fastball and there's this not song called The Way. And they're just so, oh, my God, have you heard this song? It's a 90s song that I used to love <laughs> when I was in high school. But this person just discovered it and fell in love with it and is telling everybody about it. And it's just kind of one of those things that reminds <laughs> me you can be discovered at any time. And that keeps me excited and that keeps me motivated. Do you have time for one more question? Don's got Absolutely. a great one. Go, go for it. When you're first pulling up ideas for a new concept, do you have a method for organizing your ideas? Please say yes. <laughs> I have notebooks and note apps full of ideas. And it's actually rather chaotic, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I have several notebooks full of ideas, but I do like to keep a note app. Uh, open for book ideas, PR ideas, and all that type of stuff. And I'm sure a lot of you do too, because I'll get an idea when I'm walking or exercising or moving. And in fact, that's one of my favorite things. I think, you know, in the bio, I like to put that in the little bio that I, I love my dog and we go on walks. But to me, it's um, those are the moments where I get to think a lot and get an idea. So it's important to have have a lot of stuff in uh, where you can write down on your phone. And so before I go to work on a book or a project or anything, oftentimes I designate an entire day. If I know I'm ready to start something new and I'm excited to start something new, even before I completely commit to what it is, I take an entire day to read through all my notes um, and just try to remember what may have gotten me excited or, you know, and say, oh, that could be something. Um, and again, I do that even revising. So I'm writing the second. So my next horror novel comes out this summer. As you know, I'm actually editing the second one. There's a, it's a two-parter um, and finishing that up. This industry is so weird, right? I'm working on a book right now that people won't see for like three years. But every time I go to work on it, same idea. I have a whole note app with all my edits and ideas that randomly pop in my head. And so even during the editing process, I review those notes because I get an idea of something I wanted to put in. We're going to we're going to have Dawn uh, come on as a as a co-host because she's just throwing out these fantastic questions. I know <laughs> where, I love it. where where or what is the most unusual place you found inspiration? 
I feel like that's a somewhat oh, dangerous question, you know, like those old questions on the newlywed game. But nonetheless. <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. The most I mean, cemeteries are too. That's too cliche. Right. Uh, but I do have a, a huge cemetery that, I, that uh, I walked through and uh, especially when I'm working on the horror novels. I mean, it's it's uh, one of the biggest cemeteries in the state that I live in that I happen to be minutes from. So I love to go on long walks in the cemetery. Um, I love bike trails. So I bike a lot, you know, and, and again, I let my mind think. Um, oh, I don't know. Uh, Trying to think of another good, but you're right. The shower is a good place, but conversations with people, just having good conversations. Like, what are you excited about? What are you reading? What are you, what are you doing? You know, and it's fun to listen to what other people get excited about because I try to let that inspire similar things. Like, oh, am I, am I thinking of something that someone else would talk about in that same way? What's something that I could do that would get a person excited and share a story like that? I'm sure there are much better answers. I love the question, but I'd say dark alleyways, you know, bar, <laughs> bar, dirty bathrooms in a bar, you know, just go and read the graffiti in a bathroom stall and try to create a story there. I just went to uh, Indianapolis over the weekend. So, you know, I had a couple of those moments where it's like, you could probably write a whole horror novel just from the inside of one of those bathrooms. And, and uh, you know, so any, any of those places could be inspiration. That's the whole idea. <laughs> Well, I think we are coming to the end of our of our hour, and uh, I want to thank my uh, uh, guest, Joe Shinakis, and my co-host, Melissa Hart. Joe, this has been an incredible discussion, and I really uh, want to thank you for being so generous and sharing your um, experience and your insights, and and even if, even your your PDF how to on uh, on self publishing. Just really awesome generosity. My pleasure. Um, and seriously, for any of our students, if you look, if for whatever reason you're watching this later and don't have access to it, shoot me an email and I'll get it. I'll send it right back to you that way. I appreciate you having me too. I love talking about this stuff and, and it can be hard. I think that's the other thing is that you got a, a lot of writers tend to get a little shy at times. And so my final piece of advice is because this is the calm side, right? You owe it to yourself to put confidence into your voice and share your ideas with others enthusiastically as if it's the best idea they'll have ever heard in their life. And you do that every single time, everywhere you go, and someone's going to agree with you eventually, <laughs> maybe right away, I hope for you, but someone will agree with you. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, thank right. you, Joe. And uh, thanks to our audience as well. Uh, we'll be back next uh, month. The second Monday of every month, Melissa and I will be here with another guest to be announced. Um, and until then, uh, good writing. Bye, everybody. <laughs>